0: Respectfully.
1: respectfully,
0: respectfully, respectfully,
1: respectfully, respectfully, a melanated, melanated therapist.
0: therapist. Welcome in and welcome home family. I'm Rade.
1: And I'm Dimitri. And this is Respectfully, a Melanated Therapist podcast. Just a quick disclaimer this is not therapy. We are just two people doing a podcast who happen to be therapists. The information in our podcast is for psychoeducation and entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of therapeutic resources, please feel free to contact us and we'll point you in the right direction. Now, before we kick off the show, let's talk a little bit about how you all can support us and our podcast. If you would like to show support through monetary gifting, you can send donations through Cash app at sign respectfully mt. You can also show us support by sharing our podcast on social media, tagging at RespectfullyMT, rating the show, and writing reviews to let us know you're listening and enjoying the show. Thank you in advance, fam.
0: All right, y'all. So today we are discussing colorism and texturism. Colorism is prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone, typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. Texturism is a preference for hair with smoother, looser texture and the discrimination against people with kinkier, coarse hair within the same race. When it comes to curls, looser curls are idealized and fetishized for the proximity to Eurocentric standards um, of beautiful or good hair. Both of these topics are just deeper areas of featureism, which is the prejudice and discrimination against features of the body and face as being exclusionary from ideal beauty standards.
1: Right. Okay. And just a brief history on featurism, colorism and texturism were devices used by European colonists to create division between enslaved Africans and further the idea that being as close to white as possible was the ideal image, which is inclusive of skin color and hair texture.
0: Before I move on to the, um, you know, first question I have for you here, friend, a huge piece of this, this history, we saw some of these things translate to like the. To things like the brown paper bag test um, that was done with skin tone, um, things like that, um, house slaves and field slaves or our enslaved um, ancestors. And so I just want to make sure I'm using definitely the right terms here. I'm definitely enslaved people, not being slaves. Sorry, guys. So what do you... What are some stereotypes that you've heard or been exposed to
1: concerning uh, colorism or texturism? Hmm. So it's really that whole, you know, light skin versus dark skin thing that, you know, Mm -hmm. somehow, you know, you know, black people with lighter skin tones are um, almost kind of like. More have more pedigree than those with the darker skin tone. And I feel like a lot of that kind of goes back. If we want to go back to, you know, talking about enslavement, you know, of, you know, of the black population, ultimately you had, you know, the darker workers actually being outside working in the fields where the. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the, the the individuals that were enslaved who were of lighter skin complexion worked in the house because they were seen as more, you know, uh, passable or they had mm-hmm. that lighter skin tone. So I feel like a lot of it does stem from that. But, you know, just in my own experience growing up, it was always like, you know, you know, Red Boys was it. They was always hot. They always looked good. It was, it was really mm-hmm. rare that you would hear like, um, you know, back then when I was in high school that, oh, you know, this dark skinned guy is getting all of this, you know, publicity or attention versus someone with a lighter complexion getting all of the the shine, should I say. Mm-hmm. Um You know, also it would be, you know, things that I heard like, oh, she's pretty for a dark skinned girl. Oh, you know, he's Uh... handsome or he's handsome for a dark skinned guy. Or, you know, um, (laughs) I kind of joke about this, um, but the reality of the statement is real. But, you know, I've had someone even tell me that, you know, I'm a pretty black. And I was like, OK, I was like, that's a, a compliment. But OK. Um, but, I'm at same, but at the same time, you know, um, you know, it wasn't I didn't take offense because ultimately, you know, the individual that said it was from a different um, a different Generation like a lot older generation, mm-hmm. so I know that that's how they speak, and that was some of the things that were prevalent more in their time than it is current. You know, during the time mm-hmm. in which it was said, so I didn't take offense to it in that respect. um But at the same time, that did, that's those are still some of the type of statements that happen every day when it comes to you know skin tone and even even hair texture. Um, you know, I was. You know, I'm trying to see how to kind of segue into this. So basically in middle school, and y'all don't judge me because, you know, we were all young. And so (laughs) just make it clear, you know, I'm I'm not a bully. okay? but I did participate in, you know, um, ultimately what caused one of our friends to change the way they wore their hair. So back then, our friend was, you know, what we all basically know well and now as being natural. But back then, when we were in middle school, you know, it was all about straight hair and getting it mm-hmm. processed. you know, basically, like you say, those European ideals. So, you know, ultimately, now looking back, like ultimately, she was. You know, living in her pride, you know, the pride of her hair and her texture, because it was natural. It was a process. But, you know, we talked about it so much. Till one day she just came to school and her hair was processed. And, you know, of course people, you know, ultimately she got tired of everybody talking about it. So she, Mm. she changed it. And, you know, it was just, you know, that ignorance back then that, you know, that's the way that your hair was supposed to be. And that there was no other acceptable way to have your hair when ultimately that was not true. And ultimately a lot of that, you know, um, disdained for the way that she was wearing her hair. It was all from her same ethnic community. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're still actually, we're still cool because, you know, like, you know, at times so we went to different high schools and stuff like that, but we're like Facebook friends and stuff like that. And we interact on some levels. But, you know, I always, that always kind of stuck with me as I got older and got more knowledge and more, you know, and had more experience mm-hmm. to say, wow, like we, you know, Ultimately, it was peer pressure. Like, we peer pressured this girl into changing her hair because of what had been programmed to us as mm-hmm. appropriate um, in our culture. And all in all, she was actually wearing, her hair was actually our culture, and she was actually mm-hmm. displaying that. You know what I'm saying? So that's my, you know, some of the stereotypes that I've heard, and, and I guess some exposure to, uh, to texturism and, you know... I, I know some people are like, did you apologize? You know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I actually, um, brought it up. I feel like I did. Um, but I, I'll chit chat with her and I'll, I'll make sure. But I think I did when we first reconnected on Facebook, but, um, I'll make sure I take accountability for that but like I said listen I'm not a bully I'm not a bully now I was now I did jump on on, on that bandwagon and I shouldn't have but you know through through you know I was young through age and and time yeah. and education you you become less ignorant and yeah. you know you understand things differently um but you know I do um you know, I feel bad, you know, for, for yeah. that because she should have, we should have kind of embraced that. We should have, or even if we didn't understand it, like we should just left it alone because that wasn't our damn business to be right. concerned about her, how and how her and her mama take care Not of her hair. Business. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, but, you know, I take my accountability, you know, and like I said, um, there's no bad blood or anything between us. And, um, you know, it, it, it's just, it is sad, you know, because sometimes we do do things um, sometimes for people just to leave us the hell alone. Yep. Even when it be maybe going against what we actually believe or what we actually may want to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. What about you? Um, stereotypes. I mean, all the stereotypes that you pretty much said is when and like those that I mentioned earlier of uh, of our enslaved ancestors and of brown paper bag tests, things like that. Those are the stereotypes. You need to be this light to be a part of a friend group. Um, there are some stereotypes Mm -hmm. that, that have existed that way. Um, definitely with, as well as with, you know, texturism, the stereotype with the worthy Eurocentric uh, views of that of your hair should be straight and easy to manage and you should be able to just wake up and go, um, when that's not black people's prerogative anyway, we don't wake up and just go nowhere. So (laughs) Like, but those are some of the, those are some of the, the, um, stereotypes that I've heard. Nothing different from, from what you've heard. Um, some things that I've definitely, you know, some of I mean, maybe some other stereotypes that are like, oh, I can't be out in the sun too long. I'm gonna get too black. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get too
1: dark and stuff like that. Um, Mm Which is just weird or the myth to me. or the myth that if you stay in the house the whole summer that somehow you would uh, reappear a, a shade li- or two lighter.
0: Oh my God! So <laughs> <laughs> I I want to point out that like you know us having melanin, right? We absorb sun, y'all. So uh, our skin likes it; it loves it, actually. But in the other side of this. Another stereotype that I've heard is that black people don't get sunburned. The darker you are, the less likely you'll be sunburned blah, can blah, blah, or that you won't get sunburned at all. Not to say mm-hmm. less likely. Uh, that's not true. Right. <laughs> so put on some sunscreen, please. Hello. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: I, I have friends that. now who get sunburned. You know how y'all how you know you have, how you I have the bathing suit top and y'all yeah. be trying to be all extra with the little uh all the different straps in the back. Soon as you take you it off, all, all y'all got is sunburn uh slashes on y'all back. <laughs> Cause y'all trying to be cute and extra and ain't putting no sunscreen Listen. on that bag. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> yeah, I called y'all out a little wow.
0: bit. God. But no, listen, y'all, funny.
1: I wear sunscreen, too, I, as much as I can. Yeah. Like, if I'm going to the beach or somewhere, definitely. May, if I'm going to, like, a theme park or, like, a water park, you know, I definitely yeah. put on sunscreen um, because, you know, we are not, even though we have melanin in our skin, it may be less likely that right, right. we may not develop, you know, uh, skin infections or, or skin cancer, but it's still possible. We're not exempt because we're mm-hmm. we have melanin in our skin.
0: Right. So, take care of your skin.
1: Yes. <laughs> okay. So let's get into it. So I kind of share, you know, I kind of jumped ahead a little bit and kind of shared my own personal experiences already, but have you personally had any experience with texturism or colorism? And if so, what was that experience like?
0: Yes and yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have dealt with Let's just start with texturism. So um I've talked to you guys on this podcast before just about how I grew up in very white spaces, um, just with schooling and stuff like that. Um, I never dealt with a texturism issue within my own community. Um, but being in white spaces, I have. White people like to play in each other's hair. Okay. Uh, I I'm taking a pause, y'all, because I need everybody to soak that in and understand the difference between that of a black person. Don't touch my hair is a thing, and so growing up, if I had relaxed hair growing up, and so if my friends are all doing like little French braids or fishtail braids on their hair, they're like, "Oh, Rade, right, do you want me to do yours?" No, <laughs> no. And also recognizing like there are some things that just don't really fit for black hair. When I say black hair, I mean, people of color, our hair tends to be a lot thicker and things like that. Um, and just they would, okay. So then there would be things that were said like, Oh, your hair is too nappy and things like that. My hair was not nappy, but regardless to them, it was because my hair was thicker and more coarse. Um, outside of that, I really hadn't had any experience with texturism. Um, when I transitioned to becoming a natural in my senior year of high school and then, you know, throughout my college experience, I have never had any bashing about about my hair at all. And I'm I'm very, very, very thankful for that. And let's be real, when I was younger in like elementary school and things like that, and they over here trying to braid my hair and shit when they weren't supposed to be touching my head, um, <laughs> I didn't feel bad about that. Like I didn't feel because I I wasn't receiving any backlash, so to speak. Like it just it was what it was. And I already knew for myself, like don't touch my hair because I didn't even like it. You you know what I'm saying. So mm-hmm, it didn't mm-hmm. it wasn't causing really any any trouble for me. Mm-hmm. um so I can say like on that in my my experience with texturism is not bad or was not bad at all um I have seen though people be or people have said to me though oh you have good hair like that especially with my mm-hmm. natural hair mm-hmm. and I'm like what is what is good hair like you know like if you if we all take care of our hair then this quote-unquote good hair that you're talking about mm-hmm. like we'll all have it right Mm-hmm. I love on my crown so much, like by how I treat it and mm-hmm. what I'm doing to it, and that is more so what's important to me. I think, yeah. Um, as far as colorism, trial, I don't know. I my personal experience with colorism, um, again being in white spaces, I was too dark for a lot of things, so to speak, but also being in enough spaces where. No one talked about me being the only black person in the space. I could have been treated differently, but it it was a lot more than just, oh, you're a shade this or that. Um around other um black people or minorities, nope, still really didn't deal with any like colorism either, but I I'm a more of a medium brown skin person, Mm -hmm. and so I'm less likely to be addressed in comparison to someone of lighter skin tone or darker skin tone. Mm-hmm. So it, so my experience really hasn't been bad around it at all. Um, but I uh, people around me, you know, have had issues with their skin tone. And I'm like, you should just leave it alone, like kind of thing. Like, you are good the way you are. And their response is usually kind of like, yeah, well, you don't know what it's like, which is very true. That like you know I have not been in you guys' shoes and to that of people constantly pointing out your skin tone and how you are less than or quote unquote better than based off of the color of your skin something well be under control.
1: Gotcha. Okay, I feel that friend. I um you know I was like oh I kind of share my experiences but you know there's a little more like when I was younger um it's kind of it's kind of odd to me, now that I kind of think about it because, you know, I was smart enough to know that there was differences in, you know, race and color and that we came in different shades. But, you know, there was a part, you know, in childhood where, you know, it was that questioning of, okay, well, if I was lighter, if I was only a little lighter or maybe, you know, I shouldn't be out in the sun too much because I'm going to get darker and, you know, somehow connected that to, you know, physical appearance and and looking good, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can say, you know, once I got a little older, like middle school time, you know, at the end of the day, I kind of just was like, you know what, this is who I am. I was like, there's nothing I can do about my skin color. I don't want to do anything about my skin color. And it's not really a problem for me. So I think I was kind of able to separate, you know, the noise from what I actually believed and was comfortable with within myself. Um, But I Mm -hmm. did, you know, there was some doubts, you know, growing up about, okay, What's attractive and, you know, am I, you know, in that, you know, good looking group versus, oh, you're dark skinned and you're not, you know, you don't look good, mm. Um, you know, and then as far as the, you know, texturism, like I haven't experienced that. But, you know, one thing I do want to bring up regarding texturism is that it is also can happen in reverse, meaning that, you know, you know, individuals who have gone natural may feel a certain way about people who continue to, you know, get a perm or or have straight hair. You know what I'm saying? It's almost kind of like it's, you know, the process hair versus the natural hair. So, you know, that type of scrutiny can can come across from both sides. Um, when all in all, the fact of the matter is is that, you know, there's different factors that go into someone choosing to be natural versus them choosing to, you know, stay, you know, with processed hair because ultimately, mm-hmm. or straight hair, because it's easier to manage. Because a lot of my um, you know, people in my close circle of friends who are natural, all of it's a lot of steps that y'all have to do to maintain that look to maintain look. it, to make it, keep it healthy, to mm-hmm. style it, you know, like it's mm-hmm. a lot of work. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and I had some friends who went natural for a little while. And they was like, you know what, I can't do it. I got to go back to a perm. It's just too yeah. much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I feel like there's different aspects to it. And I feel like, you know, ultimately we all should just be respectful of what each individual chooses to do with their hair. You know, like India right. I always say I am not my hair. Now granted you be your hair is, you know, a source of pride for some people, but I I feel like, you know, there should be no scrutiny on the way you decide to wear your hair regardless of where the core ideal came from. If this is what you're choosing to do with your hair for whatever reason, then that's your prerogative, but at the same time, I would definitely look at, okay, is it really out of convenience or is it because of programming? You know what I mean? And if it's only because of programming, then I feel like that's where it becomes problematic.
0: You know, that's very true with the the reversal of um those with natural hair than those with like relaxed, uh, hair. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I want to point out that like, yeah, Demetri it's definitely a lot of work. <laughs> um, when I was, so I definitely I'm still natural, but I have sister locks now. So it's a lot more manageable for me, but with my natural hair, you remember my natural hair. It was mm-hmm. just too much, too big, to <laughs> for me to like <laughs> be able to like not be frustrated every time I had a wash day mm-hmm. or two days because mm-hmm. that's how long it would take for me to kind of make sure, you know, my hair was manageable and,
1: stuff. and them co-washes. For me,
0: co-washes, but no, <laughs> wash days. I'm only saying because
1: I know a little bit. You know, I told you I got some I friends know. in my circle, you know, and they be going <laughs> through it, honey.
0: <laughs> I know, y'all. Listen, I don't even know if you remember this, to Dimitra, but like during our master's program, remember sometimes I would come to mm-hmm. class with conditioner still in my hair?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Watch I do remember that. Baby. Listen, but we <laughs> had to go class. Hello. No, Hello,
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, but so I think the only thing I'm thinking about when it comes to having something to say about anybody's hair is times that I have told people um, when they've talked to me about breakage with their hair. Um, with having relaxed hair, you can experience breakage with having natural hair, you can experience breakage, right? If you have Mm -hmm. heat damage, like all of these different things, like, but it wasn't a, a texturism issue. And so y'all, stay out of people's head, please. Yeah. Period. (laughs) Period. So what are some, um, ways you've seen these challenges exist with your clients, Tiffany?
1: Um, so You know, and I haven't had any clients specifically who um, have had any challenges with colorism or texturism that has presented itself in in our work together. But I have, um, you know, worked with um, almost kind of like, you know, how we do our consultations colleague to colleague about, Mm -hmm. um, you know, matter of fact, um, Alyssa who was on our show okay. previously. Um, she works kind of solely with children. So she had a, um, a young Black client who um, is in foster care. Um, and the people who run, who typically are over her care are Caucasian. So mm-hmm. they don't understand Black hair, Black hair care. So, mm-hmm. you know, being, you know, her learning how to do her own hair and 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 taking pride in her ability to do her own hair you know i think it was she had a puff ball like she did something and mm-hmm. it was like a, a big puff in her ponytail and she was told to to take it down because it looked oh. quote unquote um ghetto um excuse me correct okay. um So, you know, luckily there are some, you know, um, members on the staff that are of the same ethnicity as the client, as that client. So they were able to, you know, make sure she got the right products and that they take her somewhere, um, to someone who knows how to do black hair. But, you know, yeah, but, you know, but ultimately, you know, that situation is just, you know, it's so prevalent, like it happens all the time, you know what I mean? So, you know, but we don't think about those type of things when, you know, it's not directly in front of us, you know what I mean? Right. So like as a man, you know, a black man, I'm not really privy to a lot of that experience for you all, unless you tell me, or it's something that I may run across if there, someone actually took the time to write about it or actually, you mm. know, study it, you know what I mean? Which is a few far and in between. Um... But at the same time, um, you know, kind of, I've almost had a front row seat to it. So no personal experience with my clients as far as I work together, but I've had a front row seat with, you know, seeing The impact of that on, you know, younger children, uh, whether that's on social media or through talking with my other colleagues. And, you know, I think times are changing a little bit, but for a while, it was a lot of touch and go with, you know, a lot of young girls feeling like they weren't pretty because they weren't, they didn't have a lighter skin tone or their hair wasn't straight or looked like their um, Caucasian counterparts. What about you?
0: So you talking about your experience with um, Alyssa reminded me of um, a, a moment where I was just talking to one of my clients. She's uh, an intern becoming a LCSW. And she was talking about one of her kiddos that she was working with. And she had to tell someone else the pick in his hair is not a weapon. Wow. Because they were trying to say, oh, he has a weapon at school. And it must have
1: been a metal one inside his hair I know but I'm just it must have been the metal one because I feel like it, I mean but either way it's inappropriate but I mean right but know. I, sure. I mean but yeah what, you know I, listen, I'm just trying to 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 rationalize it even though I know I can't yeah conceptualize rationalize but yeah
0: yeah like it just blew me that that was even the thing. and I'm like what do you mean how hmm. why you gotta explain that something that is sticking inside of his hair he not gonna right. take out and stab somebody with what
1: or anyway, or if you, uh, sorry not to intervene, but remember that story. Um, I can't remember what state it was in, but the the young um black man, um the young black adult who graduated high school, he couldn't attend his graduation because he had dreadlocks. Oh yes, I do. Remember then there that. was an- then there was another situation where um um was it basketball? But it was a a black female sports player, and they were playing a game, and they literally had to cut her hair yes i do remember that, I remember uh-huh. that.
0: Mm-hmm. like stuff mm-hmm. like that yeah yeah I, I mean with you saying that that reminded me of some other stereotypes of like if you have locks you won't be able to um get a job it's right. looks unprofessional all right. that kind of stuff um so so yeah i actually do remember actually you know now i'm saying this brief hold to this question but as i'm saying this i do remember as me telling some people that I was going to be getting sister locks. They were like, oh, are you going to be able to get a job like that? Oh, is mm-hmm. that still professional? Will, will those look more professional than normal, like, palm roll locks or, or whatever? And I'm like, mm-hmm. man, I'll give a man a job with Wix if he comes in here and know how to do his job. Okay? Hello. Hello. <laughs> like, come on now. Like, you right. hit work? And I'm like, Hello. Come on. <laughs> Period. Period.
1: Period. <laughs> so,
0: but, okay, so some of um the challenges with my clients. So current clients, no, when I was working in community corrections, um, some of my mixed race clients, Mm -hmm. um, would, especially if they are, were mixed race and they did not have any connection to their black familial side. Um, but Mm -hmm. they had connection to their white familial side. Um, that was definitely a struggle for them because oftentimes the conversations that we would legit have are, You know, when people see you, they see you as black, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because oftentimes it was like, well, you know, this is who I was raised around kind of thing, which completely makes sense. Mm -hmm. But truth of the matter is when people look at them and they see your brown skin or if they see your darker toned skin, Mm -hmm. they're not Mm -hmm. seeing the white side of your family. right? Let's just be real about it. And they probably wouldn't even know unless you told them.
1: You get dumped into that minority category with the rest of us.
0: Exactly, and some of the things that I would hear them say back to me, yeah, well, look at my hair. It's like it's silkier, but curly, or whatever things like that. And it's like okay, <laughs> black right. black people definitely have can have silky curly hair. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we changing? We still are. They're still looking at the color of your skin. Mm-hmm. Um, When I was working as a child advocate manager for um, guardian at litem, I would help some of my teenagers uh, get things that they needed. And a lot of time we were getting hair care stuff because they um, weren't able to both buy those things on their own, of course. And that was definitely a time where, you know, my natural hair was glowing and growing and... Uh, just without my locks. And so they would oftentimes ask me for different tips and tricks. And so we would get their products and I would just kind of walk them through the process um, so that they can do it on their own next time they saw me. Or they would just send me pictures to my work phone to show me like, look, Miss Rade, like look at what I did with this style or whatever. And so the challenge that I saw exist with those teenagers was more of like, I have never been really taught to do my hair or now I don't even have the products to do my hair or mm-hmm. whatever. And I'm now in this group home. I'm now in this foster home. Right. You know, I'm not going back home to my parents, all of this stuff. And I don't have money to even make sure exactly. the one thing that I can write. Like the one thing on my person that I would like to be done isn't and mm-hmm. which was their hair. And so oftentimes i know that being able to get them those products and be able to walk them through a process um really really help them to take their power back for because let's like i said to y'all before the same way my hair is my crown mm-hmm. because if my hair don't look right y'all know i might not go outside kind of thing because, <laughs> yeah, and it's not because of a and it's not because of stigma or what i think other people think i legit just I like to look good. We already said this. Black people like to look good. But anyway, so so, yes, really just it would give them their power back in a lot of ways that their power has been taken away from them in so many different ways. Being removed from their home, now being placed in a group home, they have no say of where they can go for school and what they can do. And to have power over the way their hair looked. That was so,
1: that was top notch. Alyssa uh, period, period, <laughs> retweet. So, you know, and, and just to uh, you know wrap around the situation with Alyssa, like, you know, the core of that, the reason we were having that that conversation or that quote unquote colleague consultation is because she was trying to make sure that she wasn't crossing any boundaries by purchasing, you know, this young this young black girl the products that were appropriate for her hair. Because you know, Melissa's also a minority, but her hair is straight. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, curly and, and um, quote, I don't ever like the word kinky, but uh, it's not as curly as Black natural hair, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the texture of, of it. Yeah. So, um, in some cases. But, you know, okay. I, um, it, it was... I'm kind of thinking now because I'm the same way um, when it comes to you know if I don't have a haircut then I'm not going somewhere so I'm like okay well wait a minute is that my male form of texturism that you know ultimately when (laughs) I'm just saying you know ultimately when it grows out you know it gets real you know kinky or very curly and you know um, what we call nappy even though I feel like we should not be calling it that but you know Mm. it's I just feel like it's either more, the level is more coarse than others. I don't feel like nappy should be a, a thing. But anyway, that's just my personal opinion. But I realized that, yes, like my hair has to be a certain way for me to feel really good. And, you know, like, the, you know, I have a goatee. So, you know, that's important, too. But it really the top of my head, like the way that that is mm-hmm. and how low I keep it. So, yeah, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, I guess maybe, um, you know, at least me, I don't want to say, you know, men, but maybe men experience texturism more than, than we Trump, think. We just don't know that it's texturism. Let, because,
0: let Ben not have his hair cut and stuff. He's going to be acting uh <laughs> I acting. ain't going. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 seriously. I'm not going. Um, but. And I, that's less of a, a texturism thing, but just more of he just likes to have his haircuts. Um, mm-hmm. You know something else I actually just remember? Something I have experienced that was somewhat of texturism. So if y'all listening to us, I know, and y'all made it this far, I know y'all know what a hot comb is. <laughs> and so thank you to Madam C.J. Walker. um but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I know y'all know what a hot comb is. So- you, I don't know if y'all ever been, you know, experienced this before, but if y'all ever had a hot comb on your kitchen, y'all know where the kitchen is, the back area? The back right of the neck, yes. Your little, your little. <laughs> that, baby. Bad
1: pause. Mm-hmm. So
0: I'm thinking about just like when you got to quote unquote, get the naps out of your kitchen in mm-hmm. the hot comb, that feel like a whole texturism experience, okay? Hello. <laughs> like, that feels like a okay. Side just...
1: note to all the moms and the grandmas and the great grandmas, y'all don't traumatize our friends out here with this hot comb. <laughs> <laughs> y'all have traumatized oh our god. friends, honey.
0: Oh my god! The thing is, is that the hot comb works magic and still does.
1: Uh-huh. But huh. Little
0: burns, you know the little <laughs>
1: huh. <laughs> just little... jumping, jumping, and ain't even <laughs> hit the
0: haggard.
1: Just. <laughs>
0: Shoulder spasms. The- shoulder spasms. They ain't even got it. Top, as
1: soon as you right. hear it come off that, that that stove or that the the holder that it's in the warmer it's in, your, your your shoulder starts spasming because you know it, that mm-hmm. heat is coming. <laughs> right. So
0: between that and um, I have had people before be like, "Oh, saying stuff about my kitchen. Oh, um, like lining you up or whatever," because I will have like longer hair towards the back like in my kitchen i'm like no i'm just gonna be free and let it rock
1: <laughs> right i
0: ain't pressed. <laughs> i'm not pressed okay right, anyway <laughs> all right fam so now it's time for the therapist hats off segment of the podcast before we get started with this segment we just want to remind you to send all of your questions and topic requests to respectfully mt at gmail.com do you have the first question
1: sure I went natural a few years ago, and I think I'm ready to go back to relaxers. Am I going against Black women for doing this? No.
0: You do what you do. Do what you do. The only thing I say is, me and my mom actually were having a conversation about this because she like, I don't know about this natural life. It's too much work, blah, blah, blah. And my mom is busy, right? But she was thinking about going back to relaxers. Um, and I think one of my last sisters did, too. They, she went back to uh, relaxers and stuff like that. And the only reason I'm like, uh-uh, don't do it, is if there is brokenness, of, mm-hmm. like I mentioned earlier. So mm-hmm. if your hair is or breakage, if your hair is breaking and stuff like that from relaxers and you're not able to manage it in a healthy way and your hair has been thriving in a more natural state, even though it's more work, maybe it's worth it. You know, it just all depends on, on what you need. And if not, and if you don't mind the breakage or whatever, and this is in both stances. So if if your hair is not thriving in its natural state and relaxers would help it, do it. You know, just do what works for you. Mm-hmm. This is not you going against Black women. This is not you saying that, oh, one is better than the other. You're doing what works for you. Exactly. If anybody has anything to say about it, they'll be all right. It ain't day here. Right,
1: right. I agree. Um, There's nothing I would add to that. What you choose to do with your hair is your prerogative. And, you know, like we both kind of reiterated that ultimately, if there is, you know, like Rade's um, verbiage um, brokenness or, you know, it's because of programming or you feel like it makes you... Uh, more beautiful, or it's tied to your attraction, um, physical attraction, or how you feel about yourself, then I feel like that's when it becomes a little more problematic. And there might be to be some things resolved before you make that decision. Because once you resolve that brokenness or or any of the challenges or struggles that are there, then you may actually feel different on the other side of that. So mm-hmm. um but yeah, but at, at bare minimum, do what the hell you want. It's your hair, you know? But I'm also, right. you know, a guy. So, you know, I don't understand that experience that you all have with your hair. But, you know, I I just strongly feel, I know it's more simpler for me and my experience, but I just feel like you should, you know, go to the beat of your own drum and do what works best for you. And if a relaxer is what's best for you right now, then yes. And then the fact of the matter is, it's neither one of these choices are permanent until you make it permanent.
0: Right. You know what I will say here, uh, friend, is that um, well, first of all, our black people's hair is very transitional. So none of our hairstyles are technically permanent.
1: Right. Right.
0: I can still go and get my sew in with my locks. I could get Brock's braids uh with my locks. Like mm-hmm. that's the beauty of it. Um mm-hmm. I can comb out my locks and literally just go back to my natural state where my puffs and different styles in my mm-hmm. in the natural state without it being locked. Um, but what I will say is I do believe that all of this is tied to attractiveness um mm-hmm. to something that you were saying earlier, especially because and not in a bad way because like there is an attractiveness that or there is a way I like the way that I look more with my locks or mm-hmm. with my natural hair mm-hmm. than when I was wearing my relaxed hair but mm-hmm. I also and, but that's just now being able to look back at it kind of thing. yeah mm-hmm. um. And shit, if I want to split something up and I want to put on a wig and have straight hair, watch me do it. (laughs) But they said. All right. So, next question is I have struggled with my skin tone for as long as I can remember. And when I see other dark skinned women, I always think it's beautiful. Why can I appreciate this feature in myself and how can I overcome this?
1: So, you know, I think that, you know, the first. I'm going to let the Black woman respond to this question first. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, because your experience is different than mine. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like you bring a different perspective to the table since you are, you know, a Black
0: woman. A Black woman. Yeah.
1: Um, It's
0: interesting that you see it that way because I literally just see this question as like if you're dark-skinned, period. Um, Honestly, how I feel about this is think about what is... What is this feeling rooted in? Um, This is a question that I I will ask people if I hear them making comments about um, being too dark or or different things like that, or I hope my child looks like this, or I want to be with somebody that looks like this color. Um, and, And where is that coming from? How come? Why is that important to you? And if you can find out, if you can get to the root of that, then I think that it can make it a bit easier to overcome. Oftentimes, these discomforts and thought processes are based in values that are not ours, and it's something that we've learned and something that we've been taught or learned, but they don't really align, which could be a bit, you know, it could be more of the reason why you can look at other women and be like, wow, they're beautiful, and then look at yourself and still feel like you're not meeting the mold. Um, So those are some things to really think about and understand the roots of where that feeling is even coming from and how you can't and why you can't appreciate that feature within yourself Um, and understanding maybe have did people say things to you about your skin tone that kind of stuck with you and you internalize. And if so, then let those things, try to let those things go because they're not yours. They're someone else's thoughts and feelings. A little exercise. If that's the case, exercise I would like you to try is write down all those negative things people decided to say um, about your skin and on little slips of paper and then go and burn them because they're
1: not yours. Release them. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, it could be applied to to both. Um, But, you know, since it came from a, you know. Black, uh, a a dark-skinned woman, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, a dark-skinned woman doesn't necessarily mean that you're Black. But, um, you know, it's, for me, um, regardless of what ethnic group you're in, but we'll, I'll say, you know, I'll use African-American or Black, or the Black community in the context of this conversation because I belong to that ethnic group. Um, Almost kind of, you know, starting at the minimal, defining what it means for you to be Black. What does that mean? And does that even include skin color? You know, kind of, you know, like Rod Day saying, like kind of getting back to the root of where these this negative message um, to yourself came from. You know, was it things that you heard later in life? Was it things that you, you know, heard when you were very young or was there a lack of validation? You know, because sometimes, you know, especially in families, everybody does don't they don't come out the same skin shape. And, you know, there could be, you know, what one child may be deemed as favoritism over another one. And then it could be associated to skin color or or other things. But, you know, ultimately, it's that tip that rade gave you of writing all those things down and burning it i completely wholeheartedly agree with that and and i think as a follow-up would be to start validating yourself start telling yourself that my skin tone is beautiful that i am beautiful regardless of Mm -hmm. my skin tone and reiterating and and you know giving yourself those positive affirmations so that you can not only eradicate that previous Mm -hmm. messaging but you can replace it with more kind encouraging and supportive um statements in your life that will ultimately help you become more confident and comfortable in your own skin.
0: You know what y'all? You know, I'm I think it just breaks my heart that we have even gotten here as a a culture, as a black people, because our skin and hair is are the most celebrated things. Mm -hmm. Darkness is light. (laughs) Like you know, like and when I say light, I mean it is shining, it is beaming. Like imagine think about all of Melanin is (laughs) amazing. (laughs) Think about what a protective factor and shield it is to have melanin, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just feel like we have gotten sucked into these Eurocentric views and standards that ultimately has removed the importance around who we are as a Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. and appreciating just who we are and understanding that we recycle features, quote unquote, we recycle um, skin tones and the shape of our noses, the shape of our eyes, our cheekbones through generations. And to be appreciative of that, I love that I can go home and sit next to my grandma and look just like her or sit next to my aunt and look just like her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I just think that's dope. (laughs) Absolutely. And so to, to appreciate that is, I can understand how it can be hard to get there when you've had, you know, everyone in, in receiving every message thrown at you that's saying you dark is bad. Mm-hmm. This hair type is bad mm-hmm. um, or it's just not appropriate or it's ugly and, and things like that. And mm-hmm. I wish we can just relinquish those things because our black is so, so, so beautiful in that. Absolutely. Bad.
1: Like while they say black is beautiful, black is gold hey all right fam now it's time for our earth lesson of the week we were intentionally made to be beautiful and comfortable in our own skin appreciate your beauty both internally and externally simply because it is yours and you ultimately define who you are continue to illuminate the world with your beauty and don't let society tell you who you are or dictate how you feel about yourself respectfully i'm melanated therapist All right, fam, remember to follow us on Instagram at RespectfullyMT and send your questions or topic requests to RespectfullyMT at gmail.com. And you can also share, rate, or leave a review for the podcast as well as to show your support. Thank you in advance. Until next time, fam.
0: Peace, y'all. Respectfully.
1: Respectfully. 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 I'm a melanated therapist.